Is the trauma from your past affecting your behavior today? Real life starts now. Welcome to Real Life with Evangelist Ann and Kathleen Lay, where people with real problems find answers in a real God. Welcome to Real Life. I'm your host, Kathleen Light, and joining me is my husband, Evangelist Don Light. Later in the show, you will hear from Cody Bates, who experienced childhood trauma that led him to serious mental health issues and later was diagnosed as being a sociopath. You know, I think that when we're young, if we don't have an outlet or anyone to ask us what's going on with us, how are we feeling when we have traumatic events happen in our lives, or if we've lost someone in our family, it can be very difficult. I know that happened with me when I lost my aunt. No one asked, how are you doing or helped me to overcome? I didn't even know there was a grieving process, mm. but that whole problem through my life was there in that heartache and it messed me up in my behaviors growing up. Yeah. You know, trauma can be one of those things where people don't really know, especially as children, how to respond to it. And so they just move on. Mm -hmm. They think, if I don't think about it, it's never going to affect my future. Yeah. But then later on, as people get older, they start to see, oh no, I'm starting to express or have feelings a certain way that maybe could be connected to my past. Mm -hmm. You know, and suddenly I don't feel as whole today. I feel like I'm missing something because of something that happened way back in my past and what to do about that. You know, how can we really get over that? Because Really, when it comes down to it, you know, we can't just ignore it because if you just ignore it, it's like you're missing something and you're doing a job and you're missing something is going to hinder how you do that job or how you respond to the world today. Mm -hmm. And the Bible says something very interesting Mm -hmm. in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. And as a Christian, we're supposed to not deal with our past We're supposed to find out that we're a new creation, that Jesus came to make us whole again and to make us new. And with that, he heals our hearts from the past. Let's hear from Cody after the break. Real life is made possible by people like you. We'd like to take this opportunity to sincerely thank you for your generous support. We couldn't do it without you. May God bless. Welcome back to Real Life. I'm your host, Kathleen Light, and joining me is my husband, Evangelist Don Light. Hello, everyone. And joining us is Cody Bates. He is a convicted killer, notorious gangster, diagnosed sociopath, and drug addict wow. who got complete freedom. And we're going to find out how he got to that point and what set him free. Let's welcome to the show. Cody, thanks for being with us. Thank you so much for having me. Yes. So I understand that you grew up in a fatherless home and at age 12, you started to do drugs. Tell me a little bit about the emotions and feelings you had as a young boy and what got you into doing drugs. Yeah. You know, I grew up in a broken home with different men coming in and out of my life. Like I have four siblings with four different dads. And just as a young boy, you just attach yourself to somebody so easily. And when they would leave, it was just hard for me not to take that on myself. And then my behavior started to, you know, be delinquent in different ways. And at the age of 12, when I did drugs for my first time, I got way more than I bargained for. My intentions with it was I was going to get to school and all my buddies are going to know I was high and, you know, and I was going to be awesome for the first time ever is what I had pictured in my head. And like I said, I got more than I bargained for because I got to school and I was high. And for the first time in my life, I didn't care what anybody thought. Mm-hmm. For the first time in my life, I was okay to be in my own skin. Mm. 
So you were probably bullied a little bit as well. And at that point, you're like, well, whatever, I don't care. And what did that drug or those drugs make you feel like as you continued to get further into it? You know, as I continued to get further into it, it just became my solution. And, you know, I was abused growing up from my mom. I got bullied a lot from my friends. I just had a hard time fitting in with anyone. And when I was high, I didn't care what anybody thought of me. And Mm -hmm. it was just a relieving feeling. It was escape. Like, I just always had this emptiness inside since I can remember. And when I was getting high, it was temporary. But for a little while, that void would be filled. Mm -hmm. And for a kid that was in as much pain as I was, that solution just became my reason for living. Mm. So I understand as things progressed, you started to get into trouble and ended up in and out of jail and prison. Tell me about that. Yeah, at about 15 years old, I started going to jail. And I was just a naive kid. <laughs> I remember walking through the hall of the Young Up Center the first day and asking the guard where the swimming pool was <laughs> and in the cell and hearing that airlock snap shut the first time and kind of sinking in where I was. And just another feeling of being rejected. You know, I was rejected from society. I was rejected from my family. I was rejected mm-hmm. from my friends. Just a deep, hit of rejection and emptiness. Mm. And I remember sitting in jail and people watching, because I always did, and I could tell who ran the prison. They were gang members. And I remember watching and and feeling like I was in trouble. Like, everybody always picks on me, so I'm going to be a huge mark for these guys. Mm -hmm. And for the first time in my life, these guys treated me good. And so it was the first time in my life that people my own age were treating me as their equal. And so it was very perverse love, but it was the first feeling of family I've ever had. Mm. So at that point, they accepted you and you got to be a part of this gang that was in an odd circumstance. And to prove you were, you know, one of them, what did you have to do? Well, it started off small, just narcotic trafficking. You know, I can't even tell you really a day that I became a member, really. Like, it was just more of a transition that happened over a period of time. I just started hanging out with them. I started walking like them. I started talking like them. You know, and as we're all making money, all of a sudden, things started escalating. You know, the more money you make, the more attention you get from people that want it. And all of a sudden, I was getting involved in home invasions, kidnapping shootings, you know, and it just escalated extremely quick. And again, that emptiness never left. It was always there, you know, like it might have temporarily been subsided with drugs or money or girls or that kind of stuff. But I'd always wake up the next day just having that same pit in my gut I had since I was a kid. Mm. And you at the time were enjoying one part of it, which was respect. You had women, somewhat you felt like you were being respected and you fell in love with cocaine and something happened to you in 2006 and it changed your life for the worse. actually. Tell me about that. Yeah. The darkest day of my life took place on June 6, 2006, which is oddly enough, 666. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, it was the day that me and my friend murdered a rival gang member. And I didn't get arrested for about a year and a half after it happened. Lots of violence and stuff happened in the time that I didn't get arrested. But I remember when my friend and I took this man's life, just the darkness that took over that day was just overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Like at that point, what other line is there to cross? 
and my heart just went black. All of a sudden, I knew I was capable of anything, and it was very dangerous for a guy that, you know, was just desperately clawing for acceptance and friends, and yeah. Mm. And you finally were caught, and you were facing 25 years, possibly in prison, Mm. and you ended up at 22 years old in maximum security, Mm. and you felt like you were destroying all your weaknesses. So you would actually mess with anyone that you could just so you can move up in the gang inside of the prison. That's right. Yeah. So when I went into the max, I had already been a gang member for a few years at that point. And so when I went in, because I was a member from the street, I already had a step up on a lot of guys that were inside that were recruited inside. And so it didn't take long before I fell into a leadership role. And I was the highest ranking member in that institution. Mm. And I remember like when I got charged with homicide, I don't think I'll ever be able to put into words what it's like to think you will never live again. You know, like looking at 25 years and I was mad at the world. I was mad at my family. I was mad at myself. And every time I went into a cell with somebody, I just unleashed all that anger I had. And it really propelled me. My feelings of anger and hate was really the catalyst propelling me into a leadership position in the gang. And at the time, we were going to war with one of the largest prison gangs in the province. So all the acts of violence that the institution knew, the shots were coming from my cell. And so I ended up with a supermax security classification at 23 years old. And yeah, locked in a cell, solitary confinement, belly shackles. Anytime they brought me out, completely separated from everyone else, but still calling shots from my cell. And I just encouraged everyone around me to be as violent as possible, you know, and I just really embraced my fate at that time, which was 25 years. Wow. And you know, there are people listening now who feel like there's no turning back. They've hit rock bottom. They're angry. They're mad. They've done things that they feel could never be forgiven. They're hurting. They're rejected. And you know, your story gets worse before it gets better, but we want to give people hope. There is hope because your life did change and we're going to hear about it on our next show. Until then, we're going to pray for those who are in a deep, dark pit and we believe they can get taken out of it because you have been. Thank you, Cody, for being with us. Yes. Amen. Thank you so much. You know, when you hear this story, it's such a real story. And, you know, I think there are many people who go through rejection And it can cause a person, especially rejected from your family, then friends, society, it can make people feel like in their mind that all I need to care about is myself and I need to just do whatever it takes to get acceptance. Maybe there's someone who's listening and saying, you know, I do weird things for acceptance. And we think it's just so little, but we don't realize that little temptation can lead to such a dark path Mm -hmm. and that it's not the right way. And the truth is, Jesus died on the cross to accept you. Yes. And that's news for somebody listening today where there's someone saying, you know what? I had some of that in my life. What can change the world is that Jesus died on the cross to accept us. And not only that, we should also be aware of living lives, of giving acceptance to others and loving others a little bit more. I think mm-hmm. that was a live lesson here. So Lord God, we just thank you so much, Lord God, for turning Cody's life around. We're so excited to hear how that happened. Mm-hmm. But I'm praying for the person right now who is just saying, I deal with some of that rejection. I feel like I've been rejected by everyone. Mm. Well, if you feel that way, there is one who hasn't rejected you. It's not too late. 
you can receive Jesus into your life mm-hmm. and he won't reject you no matter where you came from. Yeah. So Jesus, we call upon your name for mm-hmm. that one person. Yeah. We call upon your name. Mm-hmm. We receive you. We believe in you knowing that you won't reject us if we come to you just as we are. Mm-hmm. And we know that you'll change us in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. God bless you all. Thanks for tuning in. You're listening to Real Life. 